Awesome. Thank you so much. So if you have your Bibles, let's get there. Jonah uh, chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Uh, then the, the mariners were afraid, and each of them cried out to their God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had, uh, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that, maybe, that, that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and, they, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them, This is the word of God and all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. Uh, thank you for this time that we get to be together, um, learn together, grow together, have a lot of fun. Thank you for the snow. It's so awesome. I mean, coming from Arizona, just coming out here and seeing how this white just covers, just blankets the landscape. And God, how it allows our imagination to imagine that you see us this way. Um, and I'm just so humbled by that blown away by your stars that, bright, that are so bright in the sky to remind us that while that's far away, you're very near. And so we just uh, celebrate you today, tonight. Thank you for bringing everyone here safely. I pray for the next few days as we learn and grow together that you would teach us and that through your spirit that we would learn and we would uh, learn to love you more and learn to love one another as well. We love you. We thank you in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I run an organization called Phoenix One. And Phoenix One, uh, yeah, what we exist to do is to care for, to connect and unify the local church. So uh, you've got a bunch of staff people here in this room, a bunch of volunteers. And so we, I just want you to know they're awesome. Do you know how much they sacrifice for every one of you? Like they make a huge impact day in and day out. To, uh, to invest into you. So kind of what we do is we come alongside of them and say, hey, hey, we're your cheerleaders. What can we do to help you? I was a youth pastor for many, many years, for about 10 years. The most important thing about me is that I have a wife of 23 years. I have a 21-year-old son, an 18-year-old son, and an 11-year-old daughter. 
So I'm in a whole new phase of life. I'm one of those old guys, but I really, really, really do love doing this. I've been teaching at Hume for about 12 years, but this is my first time in New England, and it's awesome. I love it out here. It's so beautiful, but holy cold, okay? Uh, it's so cold, but, but uh, I am so glad to be here. And my hope and desire over the next few days is that you would allow the Spirit of God to convict your heart that you would just open yourself up and listen to what God is trying to teach you. He's trying to teach us all. He's speaking right now to your hearts. And in this culture, in this time, right now, what we need is truth. We need truth from the Lord because there's so many messages out there that are complicating what you're thinking about in the direction in which your lives are going. And I believe that this weekend could be uh, a, a change for you could really ground you in some truth about Scripture if you'll open yourself up and receive what it wants uh, to give to you, what it wants to teach you, what the Spirit of God wants to do. And he wants to bring you life, and he wants to bring you life to the full. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants to bring you life and life to the full. Um, about four years ago, I, uh, I started counseling. And, and a part of the reason why I started counseling is uh, I just started realizing some things in my life weren't kind of aligning right and that I kept burning out and burning out I was like man this is not good what's happening so I, I, I got a counselor so I've been meeting with this counselor on a pretty regular basis I pick up some new routines in my life which means I've slowed way down I'm a three on the Enneagram if any of you do the Enneagram stuff that means I like to get stuff done okay I like to get after it and so a part of my rhythm now is I sit on my front porch for about two hours every morning and I'm quiet and I listen and I wait. And so that was a part of the rhythm that I started picking up. Well, about two and a half years ago, my counselor started tooling in and some things with me. And he asked me this very simple question. He goes, hey, so how do you care for yourself? Like, how do you care for yourself? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. You know, like self-care. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, right? Like, you know, like how do you, like some things to like, and I, I, I have no idea, what it, no, legitimately, I had no idea. I've never thought about that in my day, a day in my life. And he's like, when was the last time, so simple, let's start here. When was the last time you went to the doctor? And I was like, the doctor? Who goes to the doctor? Like, I only go to the doctor if things fall off, okay? I, ha I find no use for doctors uh, unless something horrible is happening. Like, I, did, I used to build houses, right? And we would cut our hands and we would bleed all over the place. And what we would do is like, you don't go to the hospital for that. No, what you do is you cut a piece of your t-shirt, you wrap it around your finger, you get electrical tape. It's called a mandate, okay? So I used to make mandates. Right, and then we would use uh, we would use super glue. Like if I didn't have mandate material, like we would do super glue, and we would soup. I would super glue my finger. Right. So unless it's falling off, I'm not going to the doctor. And it's like, well, maybe we'll start there. Maybe you should go to the doctor. So I'm like, fine, I'll schedule a doctor's appointment. So I walk into the doctor's office, go through the whole routine of whatever that you have to do to do that. My wife, you know, is the one who really helped me do it, but. So I go to the doctor, and I sit down, and she says, when was the last time you were at a doctor? And I said, 10 years ago, and that's legit, okay? And I'm at an age where, like, you should be going a little more often, okay? So I, she goes, oh, you're one of those. I said, absolutely, I am one of those. And it's not even that I don't like you. It's just that I find this whole thing inconvenient, and unless something's falling off, I don't think I should be here. And she goes, I get it. So she runs all these tests, and she's got all these suction cups attached to me, and monitors, and, and then blood tests, and stuff like that. So she calls me a week later, so she goes home. She uh, calls me a week later and says, I need you to come back and saw something. So I sit in her office, and she said, um, we found something in your blood. 
and it could be, and I don't want to freak you out, but it could be cancer. And I was like, okay, you know, let's go. You know, I'm kind of one of these, like, I don't get freaked out. It's just like, let's do this. Let's get after this. Whatever it is, let's go. So she refers me to an oncologist. I make an appointment. I didn't even tell my wife because I'm that healthy. Um, so I, 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 I just scheduled an appointment, and my, and, and my wife's like, where are you going? I'm going, oh, I'm going to City of Hope. It's the appointment that they told me. She's like, the cancer hospital? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal. She's like, I'm going with you. So um, we go sit down with the oncologist. And we sit in his office, and he looks over everything. He goes, okay, um, you have cancer. And it's called polycythemia, and, and it's not great. I'm like, okay. And he goes, let me, let me ask you a question. He's like, how long have you been anxious? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not anxious. I've never been anxious a day in my life. I'm an optimist. How many of you are an optimist in the room? Raise your hand loud and proud, right? You wake up every morning going, this is the greatest day ever. I'm going to crush this day, right? It's like rainbows and lollipops wherever you go. Like you're so stoked about everything. Glass half full. Yes, right? That's me. I wake up every morning going, this is going to be the greatest day of all time. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be an adventure, right? I can turn anything into adventure. I can make any bad day an awesome day, okay? Right? How many of you are realist? How many of you are realists? Did you know this, optimist? Did you know that they renamed themselves? Pessimists renamed themselves. They like, I don't like pessimism. Right? I don't like that title. We're realists, right? Because we keep it real. Lies. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so I sit down with this doctor and I'm like, look, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, well, that's interesting because this particular cancer is triggered by high levels of anxiety over a long, long time, which means this. He puts his hand on my knee. You've been sick for a very, very long time. And your mind's strong, but your body just told you it's done. It's all over. So I had to run some more tests, go home. So we leave the office, and I start, I'm like kind of spinning, like, wait a second. Something is impacting my life that I cannot feel and I cannot see, but it's killing things inside of me, killing good things inside of me, and I'm not aware of it, or I'm not recognizing it. Maybe I've seen it or sensed it or felt it at times, but I wouldn't allow myself to really deal with it. This in the spiritual realm is called sin. It's sin. And I just don't think we talk about sin anymore because nobody likes to talk about it. It makes everybody super uncomfortable. But that's what this story is about. It's about a man named Jonah who's a prophet of God, which means he is the mouthpiece of God to the people. God speaks to Jonah. Jonah is to go and give that word to the people. And his desire as a prophet of God The specialized role is what? To be able to remind Israel of who they've been called to be, that they are to be a light unto the nations, and that he is their God, and that they're not to put any other God before him. That's his role. And so when God comes to Jonah and says, hey, I have an assignment for you, and Jonah goes, no thanks, and literally goes in the opposite direction, what we need to understand is something deep and heavy is going on. 
This story that we're about to go through over the next few days is not just about Jonah. And it's not just about Nineveh. And it's not about a fish. And it's not just about these guys on a boat. This is a story about God. This is about a story about the holiness of God, the sovereignty of God, the mercy of God. And what we have to do is go, where am I at in this story? I have to face myself. I have to be honest with myself because something inside of me is pushing in against what God wants to make good. Something is pressing in and distracting us from having that life and life to the full, to living out that commission that he's called you and I to live out. That's what we have to deal with. This is what Jonah is avoiding. And we watch the fallout as he's avoiding it. He's rebelling against God because he's selfish, he's self-righteous, and he's a hypocrite. And wouldn't we agree that one of the critiques of our culture today is that Christians are hypocritical, that we like to talk, don't we? We like to tell everybody how beautiful and how wonderful God is and how loving he is. And then all of a sudden on social media and all these other platforms, we murder one another. And the culture all of around us is like, what is, what is going on? This is what Jonah is doing. No, no, no. God for me, not for them. So much to the point where I'm literally going to run against the very thing that he has called me to be. Sin is so blind in Jonah that he runs in the opposite direction because he doesn't want God to be gracious to the Ninevites because they were the enemy. So he runs and he rebels. Jonah can only see the sin of Nineveh. Right? I think so easily for you and I, we can see the sin in the culture. We go, oh, that's bad. Those are bad people. But we can't identify it in ourselves. We can't identify this thing that's under the thing that keeps feeling this. We keep getting in these cycles. God, I promise you, I'm not going to do that again. All of a sudden, you're back at it. God, I promise you, this time it's different. And you're back at it. Some of you just blindly sin and go, I don't even care. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be in my office someday. And I've got to try to help you pick up the pieces of a life where you just made decisions based upon selfishness and pain and hurt. And that's what this is about, this moment that we get to have together. Let's face that. Let's deal with that. Let's talk about that. Because Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned, all is all-inclusive, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us stands before God and says, look at this guy. And we have to deal with that. And it feels heavy and overwhelming. And that's why we have neglected to talk about it in, our, in, our, in, 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 in churches and in groups and things like that. But we want to do that because we want to present to you the whole gospel, the whole gospel this weekend. Um, when you see a little baby that, like, smiles, right, and, like, does a little giggle, what's the sound you make? Okay, come on, tell me. Yeah, what do you do? What do, you, do? you laugh. <laughs> Look at that baby. Did you say, oh, no. This, what do you do? Give me the sound. Come on, give me the, oh, aw. Do you know what I do? I go, 
Oh, what a filthy little sinner. Yeah, yeah, little, oh, little filthy little sinner. Have you ever watched a baby? I mean, I'm being honest. Have you ever watched a baby, right? They're just like, give me, give me. And they want, and they cry, and they scream if you don't give it to them, all right? And they freak out. My son, when he was one years old, I'm not even kidding. I have an older son and a younger son. My younger son, when he was one year old, he grabbed a bat, and he hit my son in the face, right? And he laughed, okay? Because he's a little sinner, right? That came deep from within him. And he was just like sinning. <laughs> I like beating you, right? Right? Kids, little kids are going, mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's me. And my, why? Because there's something inside of us. There's this sin that's under the thing that's impacting the way we're living our lives. It's the same sin that is causing Jonah to run in the opposite direction when God so clearly has invited him into a mission. A culture-saving saving mission. A legacy-saving mission. And all he can think about is himself. Why? Because he's so inundated with his own sin. And what we need to do is we've got to deal with ourselves. We've got our, the whole book of Jonah is inviting us to look in the mirror and say, where are you at? Where are you at? Can we just be honest? Aren't you tired of faking it? Aren't you tired of faking it? Aren't you tired of those who are pretending in the culture to say one thing and do another thing? We have to face ourselves. We have to deal with what's really going on. And what's really going on is we want to believe we are good. We're not. Only God is good. We want to believe that that we are intrinsically good and no, only God is good. Goodness flows from him. You remember in Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and each thing that he created, he said was what? Good. And it's good because God is good. Goodness exists because God exists, not us. In fact, when he created us, he said very good because he is good. And when he touches something and he creates something, it's good. But what happens in Genesis 3? We take what God made good and we corrupt it. We fracture it. And now we lay naked in the shame, running from God and lying to him. This is what sin is doing. In so many of our hearts and lives, and it's creating so much pain and so much devastation it's caused in my life. So much hurt to my kids. So much hurt to my wife. So much hurt to those that I've gotten to care for in this world. So I have to deal with that. And what's happening in your culture right now, in our culture right now, is you're being propagated these things like your truth. Your truth. It's what you believe is right and what you think feels good. It's your truth. That is a lie that is going to rob your soul. It already is robbing some of your souls in the cultures in which you find yourselves, in the schools, in the friendships. Your truth, if not tethered to God's truth, is wrong. It's wrong. It will only pull you apart. Go back to Noah and look at a culture that said, my truth, my truth. And they come against a holy, holy, holy God. And then there's this other thing. It's like, you do you. What is it? What is the stupidest thing I've ever heard? You do you? What if you're a murderer? <laughs> hey, you do you, bro. Hey, you got to be real to yourself, dude. If you love killing people, just get after it, okay? Oh, no, we didn't mean it for that. Well, wait a second. 
But that's what's being propagated to you. Oh, hey, you do you. That's a lie. That's a lie. Satan says to Eve, hey, you do you. Oh, do you want, do you want, you know, God's trying to rob you. He, do you know he's trying to rob you? You do you, Eve. Just take the apple and you'll be like God and fracture this relationship with God Almighty, right? This is what's being taught to you. And this is why Romans 3 says none is righteous. No, not one. It's trying to help you humble your place, yourself to understand who God is and who you are. And until we see ourselves as sinful, there is no need for a savior. There's no need for saving if you don't, aren't sinful because it puts you in, in control. This is why Jonah makes the decisions he's making. This is why he's doing what he's doing because it's his truth. It's because Jonah's just doing what I'm doing. Because that's how I'm feeling this morning. I don't like those guys. And if I don't like them, I don't have to hang out with them. Even though the God of the universe says, I love them. I'm sending you on a mission to rescue them on my behalf. I want to use you. I want to display my glory through you. No, I got to be me. I got to do me. And so if I want to get in a boat and drive or, 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 or go across this boat in the opposite direction of what God says, well, I get to do that because I got to be me. I got to be true to me. It's a lie. Some of you bought into it. And I promise you, your souls will pay the price. And I'm not, this is not doom and gloom. This is real. Every day, I sit in an office with people who are broken and hurting. Who've made it their truth. That they just do what they do. And it's my job here, like the prophets of old, to come before you and say, it's a lie. It's not real. He's inviting you into life and life to the full, but we have to deal with this. And one of the other things we, we start thinking of is, well, well, no, hold on. Listen, I can play this game with God, right? Like, I'm a good person. Like, I do good things. Like, I, let, I helped this old lady across the road. I was really great, right? I, I, did, I, I didn't beep and flip off somebody, right? I, you know, who was going slow, right? I did a really good thing, right? Hey, I tossed God a few singles the other day, and the offer, I'm just saying, God, you know, if I give you money, you gotta give me money, you know, like, God, I prayed for Brandon. He's so hot. Okay, you know, if I'm praying for Brandon, the God, if you really love me, Brandon will put a ring on it. Okay, like, you know, you know, Tiffany, you know, Lord, you know, you know, I've been just like trying to stay holy. You know, I'm trying to do like holy stuff. You know, you know, I've been trying to keep it real and keep it holy. So, you know, you got, you know, Tiffany's my girl. Okay, she's my girl. And so, you know, but what, what if I have this terrifying fact of, of going like this? There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to try to earn that from God. Nothing. Nothing. We keep playing this game like God's some kind of shyster. Like, like he's some mobster. Like why do we keep treating him this way? Because Isaiah 64, 6 says this, we all have become like the one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are as polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and all our iniquities are like the wind, take us away. When we start putting ourselves in the position of power, like our truth, my truth, my way, God, I'm gonna make a deal with you, let's make a deal, I'm gonna do something for you, you do something for me, that's a clear indication that your soul is sick, and it's in sin, because God will not be manipulated. He is God, and you are not 
What we need to do is join the angels with our face to the ground going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need to join Isaiah when he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst the people that are depraved. That is a posture that is now learning and receiving and being willing to go on the path that God has you on. And what ends up happening for Jonah is something that happens for so many of us. It's this, that sin splashes. When we're not aware of it and we don't keep it in check and we don't repent, it splashes. Here's what happens with Jonah. Is that all of a sudden his sin starts creating a sin storm. It's a storm as a result of rebellion that impacts not just Jonah, but a whole group of people that he invited onto a boat with him. By the way, these people don't know the living God. So his sin is splashing over and creating a a storm, a trauma in other people's lives, doubling down on their pain instead of proclaiming that he is the living God who loves them and cares for them and wants to redeem them. Instead, he complicates their lives and brings them into his own rebellion and trauma and doubles down on their trauma. And they're like throwing things overboard and what is happening and what is going on? Like the other day we were just, I mean, we were just literally sailing on the ship and this this dude gets in and there's a storm happening. That's what sin does. It complicates things, not just for you, but for everyone around you. You are a part of a body. And what you do affects me, affects everybody in this room. When you win, we all win. We're a part of a body. When you lose, when you choose to give in to that sin, it affects me. It affects my witness, our witness as a collective body. So we have to deal with that. It's so important. What ends up happening with Jonah is he becomes apathetic. What does apathy look like? In the midst of a storm, apathy sleeps. These people are running around trying to figure out how to solve and fix and something's wrong and everything's off and I don't know what to do. And what, what is Jonah doing? Just taking a nap because that's what happens. It, apathy sets in and we start going like this. Not my problem. Sorry, guys. It's probably you guys. You guys are the super sinners. I'm at least, you know, tethered in with God. You know, at least he's my God and, you know, that whole thing. But so I'm just going to take a nap down here, you know, because I'm actually kind of exhausted from rebelling against God and it's kind of wearing me out, you know. I think I might need like a little time off, right? And, and you start to create this very apathetic heart where you only are concerned about you. What about me? You can't see the rest of the pain of the world out there, right? Like you, we can't see that there's a, a war going on right now in our world and that grieves our heart. That I have brothers and sisters, not biological, Spiritual brothers and sisters in India that are being martyred for following Jesus. But because I'm so dialed into my own life in my own way, I'm just kind of becoming apathetic in my faith instead of like praying for them. That's what it does. That's what sin does. It says, hey, hey, sin is like this. It's all about you. You should take, you, don't, you can't be concerned about all that. That's too much for you. Go take a nap. Don't, don't, don't wear the weight of that. Go take a nap. 
everybody's running around on this boat. And Jonah's like, I got to take a fiver on this boat, right? Because that's what sin does. It blinds us. And it causes us to be a mockery in our society. You know, I read through uh, Gandhi's biography. And um, Gandhi has this line in there. It's a very famous line. And he says this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I just kept thinking as I was, you know, I, I have a kind of a crazy imagination. How many of you like our imagination people? Like your, your imagination kind of runs wild, my man, right? And I just, I just have Jonah in the bottom of this boat, like the one who knows the living God, the one who knows who created the stars and the, and, and the moon and the land, the water, and this dude's just sleeping, and the rest of these people are running around, and how hypocritical that is. How like, they must be like, wait, once he finally wakes up, and they're like, we, you told us what the deal was, you told us they were running, and now you tell us that your God's in control of all these things? Are you kidding me? Don't you feel that? Don't you feel that a little bit? Like, are you kidding me? What we say how we live, should how, what we say should impact how we live. If we believe in this book, that we believe is truth inspired by the Spirit of God, and we do the opposite of it, which is what Jonah's doing, what are we expecting our witness is going to be in this world? The Spirit of God is inviting you into something. If you say you love Jesus, that should mean something. That should impact something. That should expose something in us. For Jonah, it does. It finally does. But right now, he's kind of a mockery to these guys that are on the boat going like, I'm just so blown away that you would live, that you brought me into this. Because that's what sin does. And what we end up doing, the most tragic thing that we end up doing, is we neglect who God is. And when we neglect who God is, we neglect those he cares most about, right? We neglect the fact that, that mercy, the mercy of God, that, that the mercy of God wants to run to the people of Nineveh, that the mercy of God wants to run to the people on these boats, that the mercy of God wants to run to Jonah, but because Jonah continues to live in the sin that has so clouded his mind and is drowning him, he misses out on the beauty of what it is to enjoy a life with God. Jonah runs because he's forgotten. He's forgotten who he is in light of who God is. That's what he's forgotten. And I would imagine for many of you here, maybe you've forgotten that. Some of you made a commitment to follow God, but you've forgotten. You've forgotten who you are as a result of who God is and what he's called you into because you've allowed the sin of this world, the sin of your heart. And I just want you to know this, I'm with you. I'm not just some dude that comes up here and speaks and has got it all together. I'm the dude that sits in a hospital room and a doctor has to remind me how sick I am because I've been running my whole life trying to fix it on my own. <sighs> 10 years ago, I went to India uh, for the first time. And it was in India, and India is a huge part of my life. Um, I love the people of India. I've been there multiple, multiple times, and I've gotten to take a lot of people there. 
And so I go to India the first time. I'm kind of in this state where I, I kind of think I'm a big deal, right? And, and, and the Lord meets me in India and just breaks me. But it, through that process, we met this little girl. And I just thought we were going to sponsor her like a child. Her name's Wasunta. So here's a picture of her. I think they're going to put it up. There she is. This is four-year-old little Wasunta, okay? She had just come to the foster home um, two days before that picture was taken, okay? So um, Wasunta's story is that Wasunta was left by her mom and dad. She, she fend on, fended on the street. She was taken in by a neighbor who was raising her to sell her virginity on the black market because she's what's known as a black beauty. See the big eyes, dark skin? She goes for double the amount. So they were raising her to sell her virginity on the black market. And then a neighbor came, another neighbor came over because they were beating her, and they took her away, and they brought her to the orphanage, and that's two days later, okay? So I meet this little girl, and I'm just like, I think this is a little girl we're supposed to take care of, right? And so through a long conversation, I won't get into it, basically we decide to, to adopt Wasunta. And so I'm like, let's do it. And so we, start, we hire, I, go, I come home, we hire an international adoption attorney, we start going through the whole process. So I come back to India the next year, and we're sitting at a table, and uh, she's sitting on my lap, and we're eating chicken, because that's what you do in India. You eat a lot of chicken, okay? <laughs> a lot of curry, a lot of chicken, okay? So we're eating chicken, and she starts eating all the chicken, and then all of a sudden, she eats the chicken bones. She starts eating the chicken bones. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop it, baby girl, like don't. And, and, and she like freaked out. I'm like, what's happening? So I go to the guy that's like, because we are paying a family to raise her and like take her to the hospital and help her get in school and things like that. And I go to the family. I'm like, what's going on? Like we're paying money to take care of her. Why is she eating chicken bones? And he paused and he says, oh, your daughter still thinks she's a slave. And so she acts like a slave. She still mangoes. She eats them till she throws up. She eats chicken bones because she's not yet come to understand that she's a daughter. She's a little slave girl that runs around, gorges herself till she throws up, hides food because she's afraid that she'll get left. I just broke my heart. So we go through another year with the international adoption attorney. We're close to adopting her. And I go back to India and she sits on my lap and uh, we're eating chicken. And she eats all the chicken, and she leaves the bones, and she runs away. And I looked at him, I was like, what happened? And he says, your little slave girl finally understood she's a daughter. You know, so many of you are running around like little slave girls and slave boys when you're the sons and daughters of the Most High God, and that he loves you. The sin is trying to keep you in slavery keep you in bondage, keep you running away in the wrong direction. What repentance is beckoning you to do is like there's a different story, a sonship story, a daughtership story where he is your heavenly father who loves you. And this is a picture of Wasuntha now. She's 18 years old. She's a nurse in a college, and she's a daughter of the most high God first and foremost. And I'm what she calls white daddy. <laughs> but that girl, she knows first and foremost that God loves her. And that's what defines her. And I wonder what defines you. How have you allowed sin to just impact and rob your life when the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords calls you sons and daughters and invites you into life and life to the full. But you have to get honest with where you're at. You have to deal with that part of you. And you can no longer keep living the way you are and expecting different results. He's inviting you into something else. He's inviting Jonah, as you'll find out, into something else. What we do, because we've been giving this beautiful, awful gift called free will, which means this, God says, I love you, I am sovereign over all, but I want you to worship me with the way you live and love me. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for, oh, the story of ours. It's the story of Jonah is the story of ours. And I think that's why I just get so wound up because I'm like, I feel it so deeply in my soul. I, I, I see myself in that way. I just... I see how often I just run in the opposite direction when you're inviting me to be a part of your beautiful, beautiful mission. You're inviting me to be a part of what it is to be a son of the most high God. Father, help us, forgive us for finding our, our worth in this world, our worth in likes on social media and, and in clicks in schools and in void comments snapchat threads that are just robbing us robbing us of our sonship and our daughtership our identity that's found in you teach us tonight to acknowledge our sins and confess them to one another as you say in james so that we may be right before you oh god we love you and we thank you in the name of the father son and spirit everybody said amen thank you